Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 327, covering Cold Front and Silent Enemy. Hi, friends. We had a week where we almost didn't hate both of our Enterprise episodes. Yeah, it uh, worked out to about almost one good episode, right? Yeah, that's, that feels about right. Yeah. So good work, Enterprise. One you, in a row. You beat our expectations. I don't know about that. <laughs> met our expectations, which is to be adequate. <laughs> Haven't exceeded them, certainly. And uh-huh. plus, uh, Voyager beat me so many times. It's like, okay, I'm not going to say, well, now it's now we've started a trend. Now things are going to get good. We did no. it. We did it. We beat. We got through all the bad episodes. Yeah, just it just you got to suffer through the first few, you know, and then it gets good. No, mm-hmm. no. I don't expect that from this show at all. I expect the occasional spike and then back down into the depths. The occasional spike? Yep. From Buffy? No. No. Just just a spike. Just like a, an iron spike. I would love if a British vampire occasionally just showed up on this Star Trek show. I, the thing is, space would be the perfect place for a vampire. Mm-hmm. Just don't fly close to any suns. Also, is it only Earth's sun or any sun? I don't That's know. an excellent question. I don't think many vampires get into space. Why not? Right? What a wasted opportunity. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I'm already bored with this. Where's my space vampires? Oh. Um, space we Transylvania, did, I guess. I mean, we did get some cool new different aliens this time. Oh, not vampires, yes. but but definitely some cool aliens. But but before that, that's uh-huh. the second one. The first one we got to deal with the, the what did you call them? The the smarmy avocado? No, you called them something else. Uh, the uh, dusty avocado aliens. Something like that. It was a good turn of phrase. But uh, yeah, the the Sulaban are back. If you if you looked in memory alpha, it would say like temporal cold war uh, three of ten thousand. Uh huh. Three of infinity noise. So yeah, infinity noise. Yeah, I meant to say infinity sign, but uh, we've got infinity sign. <laughs> Some kind of a thing happened in my brain and infinity right. noise. All right, that's that's fine. I don't know what that is. But, I uh, don't either, but, you know. That hasn't stopped me before. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you tell us what happened in Cold Front as best you can? All right. So somewhere, somewhen, the Time Man in the Tube performs some surgery on a Sulaban. So I guess this is some of that rough temporal Cold War shit. Great. Meanwhile, the Enterprise basically runs into some grumpy lizard ferrying <laughs> a bunch of religios to some star that's exploding or imploding or can something plode it's ploding and it's ploding so extravagantly that enterprise decides to hitch a lift because captain archie goes wherever he pleases then he invites the religious types over to mingle and meet with the crew so while that's going on the most artificial looking human since michael fassbender in prometheus but not alien covenant because i haven't seen that yet shows up tells archer that he's been on the ship since they left earth and that he's from the future it's nice to know that in 900 years, all that temporal prime directive shit is thrown out the window in favor of good old-fashioned mucking around in time. It worked for Captain Kirk, and it's working for us. So Archer and company team up with Michael Fassbender for about six seconds before the Sulaban guy shows up and starts calling Archer John a lot, like it's a threat. Maybe he's calling him John after Garfield's owner. I'd find that <laughs> extremely insulting. And then he kills Michael Fassbender like so much Lyman. 
Diane Archer chases the Suluban through the ship, using not-cloaked phase technology, until the Suluban literally falls out of the ship and escapes, leaving everyone confused, including me, and the episode cranking up the mysterious X-Files music. Yep, it sure did. And, and to be clear, we're in 2001, 2002 at this point, like long after the X-Files. It might have still been on. Oh, it's still on, but the, its glory days were over. Well past its prime. I think uh, Mulder was gone. Possibly Scully was also gone by yep, then. Yep, yep. Like, uh, copying that show in Voyager, while I didn't care for it, at least it was relevant. You you bet your ass he was there. What's that? If you like the T-1000, you bet your ass he was there. I don't dislike that guy, I just, uh, you know... He he replaced one of the main characters on a popular show. Like mm-hmm. he, that's a that's bad shoes to walk into. That's not really his fault. No, I was still mad though. But, uh, also, I I take issue with you comparing this guy to Michael Fassbender because Michael Fassbender is a gorgeous human being. This that guy is was true. just an average looking actor. I was mostly thinking of his robot role. No, I give you that. I'll, was that I'll Michael Fassbender? You that. Your your robot robot roll call? Was that his brother Michael Fast Flexo? No, it's Michael Slowbender. Come on. <laughs> uh, I uh, I liked the first half of this. This thing, this starts real, real strong. It's one of those times where it's just kind of a quiet episode where we're getting to know people, mm-hmm. and then the deadly danger comes in, and we get bored. Yeah. Like, would you agree that was your your issue as well? Yeah, as soon as as soon as the fucking Sulaban guy starts creeping around the ship, sabotaging stuff, that's when the episode takes a nosedive for me. I was real interested in the whole like the religious guys coming over and our guys sort of like connecting with them and stuff. But like, yeah, it was it was it was some classic Archer. Humans are great. Like he puts out his hand. Like everyone knows what a fucking handshake is. Not even everyone on Earth knows what that is. You yeah. jerk much less the whole galaxy. But but apart from that, like, we're actually getting to know a different culture. They're religious guys, but they're not, like, crazy religious guys. Yeah, no, like, they're they, like... they believe in science. They think this Nova or whatever it is is, like, where the universe started. Mm-hmm. This is the center where the Big Bang happened or whatever. And, like, this is an interesting idea. No, there's a lot of, like, you know, hey, we're here for this exchange. You know, you, you guys are aliens we've met before. We're alien to you. Like, let's, you know, let's rap. Yeah, and I like that. that. Like, you don't get much more Star Trek than that concept. Yeah, it's it. It reminded me a bit of Journey to Babel in a good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where you're just sort of like all in your good uniforms, receiving all the the weird aliens coming on board, and mm. you know, I like that. And no, then you have like a banquet, and you talk to each other. And yeah, like, that's not much going on plot wise, but if they're interesting aliens and good character stuff, who cares? I love uh, uh, Trip trying to uh, lecture them on how the engines work. And oh, trying to like, trip explain it to them. Yeah. yeah, and one of the guys like, "Yeah, no, we know. We, we have warp. How do you think we got this far, dummy?" <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, now I'm all but, embarrassed. But really, my bad thing is. Not just a bad thing for this episode, but for pretty much the entire Rick Berman era of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to enjoy the story, but every story goes exactly the same way. And now I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop when yep. the inevitable happens, which completely destroys any enjoyment I might have in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to just say, oh, well, this is nice because I'm waiting for the twist. I'm waiting for the inevitable. Obviously, this guy's going to be a bad guy or whatever, because it's just a generic by the numbers action adventure with the standard guy you thought was helping you might actually be a bad guy twist somewhere around the fourth act. Mm-hmm. Like, how can it be stale and predictable and also make very little sense at the same time? I don't know, man, but Enterprise found a way. Like, that, and I'm talking about the second half. Again, the first half was great. Yeah. But when we get into all the temporal Cold War shit where they try to explain it and it makes even less sense, 
it's confusing and boring at the same time. I don't like a guy flat out says to my face in this episode what the temporal Cold War is, and I still don't understand it. I mean, broadly speaking, it's two factions traveling through time to fight each other, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really make sense. But they don't identify who the factions are or what they're trying to change. So it's all just super vague. Yeah. It's like the one guys were trying to change the Klingons for reasons, mm-hmm. presumably because they're fighting the Klingons in the future. I don't know. And yeah. that's the problem is we don't we don't know the stakes because we don't know why they're changing anything and what outcome they want and what what they're doing. Yeah. And, and I know they want it to be a mystery, but it's just. Ugh. And you don't get more 2000 mysterious than like having this weird guy in a suit that lives in a fucking tube and you can't see him. Yeah. It's like Enterprise is fighting Dr. Claw. <laughs> I mean, that, come on, that show was from the 80s. I mean, you got me there, but still. No, the booming voice. Soon, soon we will destroy Captain Archer and the crew of the Enterprise. Isn't that right, Mad Cat? <laughs> No, that's that the booming voice. That's getting old already. Uh-huh. And it's only the second time it's appeared, and I feel like it's going to appear a lot more. <laughs> the dude shows up, and I'm just like, "Oh, here's this guy again. Great. He's only shown up once before, and I'm already yeah, he was sick in the pilot, of him. and now we're on like number eleven. So it's been ten episodes since we even saw him. Uh, I guess this moron's back. Yep. I, uh, so this is a thing I don't know. Please don't tell me because I haven't seen ahead, and I don't know. But I'm guessing, just totally guessing. That Daniels, who is the crewman who ended up helping them, except he's not actually helping them, yeah, is also actually the Sulaban guy. That's my theory. Yeah, it feels like that'd because, be really easy to check, and I don't want to do that. No, I don't. I want to find out. But I definitely, that that feels like, even if it's not true, even mm. if there's nothing to that, doesn't that really feel like your typical Brandon Braga, Rick Berman era type? Oh, they're the same guy. You didn't see that coming, did the you? The whole time he's saying, watch out for this guy. He's evil. And then it ends up actually being a different time version of him that the Sulaban genetically modified. Ugh. Well, you see, Captain Archer, I'm a regular guy, and this guy's got weird lizard shit all over him. Uh huh, and he can squeeze in between a tube, so you can't uh, trust him. No, I don't trust anyone who can squeeze in between a tube. Yeah, just just bad. But <laughs> the yeah, you, Suliban, I, genetically altered to be real fucking gross. <laughs> oh, everything's gross to you. Yeah, well, the universe is a gross fucking place. That's that is your philosophy. Have you seen everything? Ugh. No, certainly I haven't. But I've seen many things. Have you seen most stuff? Ugh. No, not even most stuff. But I've I've seen things. And, uh, you know, it's just, this is the fundamental difference in our philosophies. But you know what? I can, I can, I can uh, respect uh, infinite diversity in ways that Captain Archer can't. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's fine. You think stuff's gross. I don't. Infinite diversity and infinite gross combinations. I sick. <laughs> yeah, it's... But again, the first half I really liked. And there actually was some good cultural exchange stuff. There was mm-hmm. actually some good, like, uh, Dr. Phlox doing his great, like... As literally the only one on the ship who's excited about this stuff and respectful of other cultures. Yep. Like, he he actually (laughs) spends the night on the other ship Mm -hmm. just to, like, hang out and learn more about their deal, which I thought was really great. Yeah, you can sleep over. Go on. Yeah. Just call me if you need anything. Take your sleeping bag. I get to take your meds. Uh, I go, Dr. Phlox couldn't sleep last night. He had a nightmare. (laughs) I I gotta go pick him up. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And I love, this is actually your good thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love the guy who's taken these religious pilgrims. Oh, yeah. I love, this guy's fantastic. Yep. 
Oh my god. Okay. Um, I'm gonna pull. He's also my quote, so we can just pop that in. Oh yeah. Okay. Do you want to do the quote first or the good thing? Uh, give, uh here's the quote. That'll. It's a good introduction to who. I'm <laughs> Set the stage for yes. <laughs> Captain Jerk. Pleased to meet you. What do you want? Nothing. We're new to this region, and we're eager to make contact with other species. Oh. If you don't mind my asking, what brings you here? A job. I'm escorting a group of spiritually-minded men on a pilgrimage to the Great Plume of Agasoria. The, the, the what? Every 11 years, one of the proto-stars gives out a neutron blast. These gentlemen believe it's a sacred event. If you ask me, I think it's just another ball of hydrogen. I fucking love this guy. Okay, so every time the Enterprise shows up anywhere, they're like, hey, how's it going, you lucky so-and-so? We're from Earth. Maybe you've heard of us. Kind of a big deal. And this guy's just like, well, whatever. Like, he's never presented as the bad guy. He's just an annoyed alien dude who doesn't want to talk to anyone, and I respect the shit out of that. Yeah, but on the, he he's not an antagonist. Like, he doesn't keep them from, like, okay, you want to talk to them? I'll ask them. But yeah. then it's between you and them, and I don't want to be in this anymore. <laughs> There's a moment where the archers, the guy's like, so why are you calling me? Like, what? Yeah. And Archer's Look, like, I already put you in touch with the guy you wanted to talk to. What more do you want from me? And Archer's like, well, we're a race exploring the galaxy. We're finding new cultures. Uh, and he's literally like, oh, one of those. Okay, fine. You can see him doing the jerk off motion or like the like the hand flapping like your mouth is running too much motion. <laughs> you know, I can see you, right? Yeah, I know. I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. The fuck do I care? He reminded me of Mike from Breaking Bad. Just yes, like, like I, it is my job to interact with you. I have to be like baseline civil with you, but I do not give a fuck about your deal at all. We are not friends. <laughs> and he had that gruff, like he had. Uh, well, you heard it in the quote. He had a great, like, sort of deep, you know, gravelly voice. Archer, just, what are you doing? Uh, what What are you doing? Knock it off. Uh. Just let me do my crossword, would you, you please? You paid me to do a job. I'm doing it. Yeah, look, I'm 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 as good as my word. I'll do my job, but oh my god, Ugh. this this guy. Why don't you Why don't you let me ferry these guys in peace? That's that really sums him up in two words. Yep. Ugh, this guy. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. No, he was he was a lot of fun, and he really had nothing to do with the story. It was no, just a nice was just extra a level of just detail. Just a wonderful surprise for me. And that's the show needs more of that. It mm -hmm. needs more like it doesn't matter if he's a jerk like that doesn't affect the story one way or the other. It just adds a little extra color. Yep. It gives the, the story a little more than just, OK, let's go from point A to point B like we always expect. And yep. the bad guy talking the way you had you had mentioned where he's like calling the guy John and like he might as well be in a glass cage and like, well, oh, so my different, God, you the, and I just ugh. this fucking dude could not be more Hannibal Lecter if he tried just like, yes. Listen, John, you know, you know, you and I were not. It's so weird. I have to go right into the not so different you and I thing. Well, that's I mean, he but basically I mean, says that that's the guy just like I'm here to help you, John. If you're here to help us, why are you blowing up large chunks of my ship? That's how I help you, John. You see, John, you and I. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's hacky. I'm going to hack, wave hackety, a phase and, and again, I hate the idea that, okay, so this guy Daniels, who we see in, a, in an earlier scene, like mm. serving the captain breakfast, um, 
later it turns out that he's like an undercover guy. You talked about that in your summary. And I don't completely hate that in theory, but mm-hmm. then the I, the twist is where it loses me. Like, I don't even mind that he's a time traveler watching stuff. Like, I could live with that if you did it right. Yeah. But it's when it's the twist when, no, this guy's the one who's trying to destroy you and I'm the one trying to help you. Oh, my God. Did you just fucking copy and paste a Voyager episode and change the character names? Because I've seen this plot twist so many fucking times. Brock is like, no, why would you think that? Now, in fairness. As I delete the file. In fairness, he didn't write. Well, he didn't get a writing credit for this. But Mm. also, he's the showrunner, so he probably touched the script. Sure. So it's hard to say if he directly had any any like effect on it or not mm. but uh, it's, it, it, it's just, it yeah as the showrunner he should have said you know what we've done that a lot let's do something different this time yeah it takes a real turn into boring town that's the, like it's the second half it's not even a half it's like it it gets past the halfway point before it starts losing me it's mm-hmm. like the last 15 minutes maybe yeah yeah like most of it is and pretty just good. as soon as they start as, as soon as archer starts chasing this guy through the ship it just becomes the most generic action shit now, something we both sort of noticed at the same time with our with this view, with the viewing of this episode is how bad the physical acting in this show is so oh, far. Oh man, okay, these guys just in general are terrible fucking physical actors. It's not anything that jumped out at me at first, but we started noticing a pattern like wait, there's this and this and this. these guys aren't very good. Like like Archer gets shot with a with a phaser on stun at one mm-hmm. point and he falls down about as convincingly as an 8-year-old playing guns. Like I'm pretty sure stunt falling is the first thing you learn as an actor. Like it's something I learned in drama class. So yeah, it same can't here. be that fucking hard no it's it, you know falling yeah like you just let gravity take over the trick is not getting hurt like but, bacula i know you you've been in series before like you were in a sci-fi show surely there was some action at some point you must in have fallen quantum down leap, at least twice like i i can assume i don't know i've never watched quantum leap i'm not about to start now but of course uh, not but like, and then there's the scene. There's the scene where the uh, the Suliban cracks open a window on the ship. <laughs> Crack a window, will ya? <laughs> uh, um, and Archer has the worst fucking. I'm getting sucked out of a window acting. Oh yeah, so it's a whole scene. <laughs> As you pointed out, well, we're we're uh, he just chased me into this room full of catwalks. So uh, <laughs> time for our showdown. Oh, it's the catwalk deck, of course. This is. <laughs> it's like the uh, the. <laughs> There was a in, there was a uh, Siskel and Ebert column or an Ebert column I read once about uh, about a movie that ends in the uh, the place that only exists for movies, which is the factory that makes flames and steam. Yep. Oh yeah, that's where the uh, that's where the Maquis base is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this place is just uh, like for railing kills. Yeah, it's that's, just that's yeah. his only purpose. And yeah, he's so he's hanging on to the railing, trying not to get sucked out. And uh, you know, I mean, in your space show, that's not a bad situation. But he does not sell it at no. All. Now I will say, after that, this is more in the writing than than the acting. His acting wasn't bad, but um, after the the airlock closes, he's got to get into like the decompression booth, like. Mm. In so many Star Trek shows, when they close, the, like, a bunch of air gets sucked out of the ship, and, and you're almost dead, and then you just sort of walk away and get back to the action. And he actually had to recover for a minute in, like, the decompression area, and I yep. like that little extra layer of detail there. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll take that. I, it's just it's one of those things, every now and then, this show does stuff that other Star Trek shows don't do, where it's like, oh, yeah, we don't take it as given that everyone just, like, like in this episode, uh, because... They don't use the transporter a lot yet. The mm. the other ship has to dock with the Enterprise and enter through the airlock. It's yeah. just a nice little like, oh, yeah, we never see that in Star Trek, but it's a thing. Mm-hmm. 
I like it. I, I, I like when they do stuff like that on the show. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Like the torpedoes being actual rockets. Yeah. Just anything new, like everything, everything about new, this but show also feels classic so at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, so my good thing, I've, yes. I've already talked a lot about how I like the first half of the episode a lot. Um, there were probably half a dozen legitimately endearing character moments, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to take all of them because I wanted to leave some for Matt. Mm-hmm. But I chose the Travis Hoshi scene. Uh, earlier in the episode, they kind of hinted that those two were friends, or at least friendly, like they're the two lowest-ranking officers on the bridge. They're the two ensigns, and so they kind of, when everyone else is gone, they're like the kids, like, joking around when Dad's gone, and it's cute. Mm-hmm. And apparently they do movie night on the Enterprise, which I kind of like. like. Oh, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. We're we're recent enough in, like, history that movies are still a thing. Mm-hmm. And what was it? They watched some horrible, like, it sounded like a movie that should be on MST, like Mummy. Oh, yeah, it was like Attack zombies. of the, like, Saucer Men or some fucking thing like that. Yeah. And they were like, ugh, we don't get much time for, for R&R, and when we do, we gotta watch a shitty movie. That, I that love sucks. that it's, it's like, we have fi- access to 50,000 movies on this ship. Yep. Like, when they sent us into space, they sent us with all movies, and we watched Attack of the Saucer People. Well, finally, like, Netflix and Amazon Prime and everything, like, that's what World War Three was about, and finally they're all just united in one giant library. You don't have to subscribe to each service anymore. Oh, man, what a wonderful world. Yeah. World? I love the I love the idea of uh, having access to to every fucking movie ever created, and so you still don't know what you're going to watch tonight. Oh, of course. Well, you remember earlier on before all the, like, the proprietary crap drove a bunch of stuff off Netflix when they yep. had just tons of stuff, and you're just like, oh, God, what do I, what do, I do? Oh, man, the amount of times that I've been like, what movie am I going to watch tonight? And I spend a half an hour trying to find a movie, and then I just watch Cheers. <laughs> Well, the, uh, but I, I just, I like, and if this had been my episode to pick a quote from, I would have picked Malcolm rolling his eyes at Invasion of the Saucer People or whatever it was and saying, well, that's two hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. <laughs> that's me watching this show every fucking week, Mal. Come. <laughs> uh, but, uh, okay, so you got you got Travis and Hoshi on the bridge uh, with Malcolm, and he leaves, leaving Travis in charge for a minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hoshi and Travis have this adorable scene where she's like, Go on, don't you want to sit in the chair? He's like, what? No. Like, oh, you're in charge, though. This is the captain's chair. You can sit in it. I, I don't want to. Oh, come on. Sure you do. Yeah, I guess I do. Mm. And it's, it's cute. And I this is what I want more of. I want more scenes where I get to know the characters and their relationships, and I genuinely enjoy seeing them interact. Yeah. Like, that's it. I like seeing when people are friendly and, and like ribbing each other a little bit and then there's a cute little embarrassing sort of sitcom moment where Malcolm comes back and sees Travis in the chair and he's like alright get up son nothing not nothing I didn't do anything okay but you just you just pushed the button that brought up the torpedo panel maybe maybe you should get out of the chair now. That, that, anyone could have done that yeah the dog does it accidentally all the time <laughs> no it was just a really cute moment and I want more of that like yeah. I want Especially early in the series, we need to get to know who these guys are, and the best way to do that is to give us little endearing moments where they talk to each other. Yeah. Less action-adventure running around and not convincing me you know how to fall down. No. And more, like, making jokes at each other. No, we, we're, we're, we'll get to this some more in a minute, but, like, one of the things about the next episode is, like, how mysterious uh, uh, Malcolm is. And all I can think mm-hmm. is... Well, he's about as mysterious as everyone else on this fucking show. You know, yeah, it's only episode anybody. twelve. Yeah, and uh, Flonk pointed out. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So it's the writers just saying, yeah, we haven't bothered to flesh this character out yet. So now that's his character that we haven't fleshed him out yet. <laughs> 
Uh, what was your bad thing about this one? Uh, I mentioned in my summary, but the last uh, minute or so of this episode, when they're locking up Michael Fassbender's quarters and there's dramatic music playing, it's so fucking X-Files, and I am too baffled by the whole temporal Cold War to really know why it's sinister or what's actually happening. Well, the thing is, he, okay, so he's from 900 years in the future, he said, mm-hmm. which is the, whatever, was that the 20 or 31st century? Sure. That's too much future for me. Like, I, in in the sense that I'm kind of invested in the 24th century because yeah. of Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager, and, like, <laughs> it's way further ahead than that. 900 years is a baffling amount of future. Like. Yeah, I have no idea who, like, I, I it's hard to care. Mm-hmm. But, okay, fine. He's got some crazy advanced technology that we actually see a little bit of. He's got this cool, like, hologram thing that shows the timeline or whatever. Yeah, it's a hologram, something that has never appeared on Star Trek before. No, wow. I know, but to Archer is, like, you know... This is cool. So, all right, fine, whatever. But so, and he's got some brass knuckles that punch through time or something. Yeah, that's I, a, that was a weird choice, but okay. All right. But the point is, he uses some of this stuff in the in the course of whatever he's doing, and then he dies. Mm-hmm. And rather than then ransack his quarters to see what else is in there, they decide to just lock him up. What? Yeah, they put a big old lock on it. I, okay, so there's no temporal prime directive at this point. So there's yeah. no, like... These guys don't give a fuck about tainting a, a, a planet's culture. What do they care about? Finding stuff from the future. Just yeah, go seriously. look and see what he had. It's like, guys, you just found out that time travel is possible. Fucking go look into that. That's yeah, interesting. Even, even the Vulcans think it isn't. Mm-hmm. Paul says, yeah, the Vulcan Science Council studied that and determined that we, we don't think it's possible. And apparently it is. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Maybe, maybe that could give humans an edge on the Vulcans. Look, we figured out something you didn't. We cheated, but so what? Yeah, or we can just put a big lock on it. That's just, the the thing that bugged me the most was it was it is so clear that is a time lock that's going to last about ten episodes. It's like oh yeah, uh, the important part of this story will happen around season finale time. Yeah. This is a, this is a cliffhanger development. We don't want to just do it in the next episode. We're gonna wait until episode like twenty six. Then a, then shit's gonna go down. It's Ugh. such a TV thing too. You know, it's it's a clumsy TV thing. Yeah. I watch a lot of really well plotted serialized shows this is not one of them no and there were plenty of them on the air at this point like buffy was around at this point the sopranos were on at this point like like they had good examples they could just copy from Mm -hmm. i mean the the buffy model of like each season there's a different big bad guy that's sort of lurking in the background that would be perfect for this show yeah absolutely i think they do that in subsequent seasons but so far it's not really working so i don't care about the 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 meta plot at all like yeah like Week to week is what I'm interested in, and so far that's not very interesting. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Anything else? Um, I think that's everything. All right, you got an alternate title? Yeah, John and Lyman's Excellent Temporal Adventure. <laughs> All right. So is it canon that Lyman was murdered? I know John, uh, uh, Jim Davis said something to that effect, but I don't know. Is that actually real? All I know is that Lyman disappeared. Well, yeah, he like, just stopped the, being in the strip because the yeah, guy realized that the dynamic was there were too many people. The, the guy realized that no one gives a shit about John. You mean Lyman? No. <laughs> As Lyman is a character who talks to John. Oh, I see. You know, John's still going to be there to talk to Garfield, but nobody well, Don, wants John's, someone to talk to John. John's the straight man. The straight man doesn't need a straight man. Yeah. That's not how comedy works. So John killed Lyman and stole his dog. Well, that's fair. The well, end. Who did, who did Nermal belong to then? No one knows. Nermal just shows up. <laughs> okay. 
It's like this fucking cat that just wanders into the house sometimes to be mailed to Abu Dhabi. This this might be a conversation we had before on our old show. I don't remember. It's been a long time, but uh, you seem very passionate about this. There's a lot. To th- there's a lot of questions that Garfield uh, uh, asks. There's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of unex- unexplained mysteries in the Garfield shared universe. Yeah, the question of who is normal. Yes. Ugh. Um, my alternate title for this episode is "He Blinded Me with Time." Time travelers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I will say this. I hate the temporal cold war. Still better than time traveling Mark Twain. Fuck yep. that guy. Just fuck him. Oh, my this pistola. Stupid white suit, motherfucker. All right. This Let's is the only on. suit I own. It, it was, though. That's that's real. That's true. Stuff I he, know he, about Mark Twain. He owned other clothes because he was so famous for wearing that suit and could only afford one. He just wore it all the time. Mm-hmm. This well, how would smells... people know I'm Mark Twain if I don't wear this suit? They'll just think I'm Sam Clemens. <laughs> My well, this is alter ego. My secret identity. <laughs> Mild-mannered riverboat pilot. <laughs> oh, no, that building's burning down. I have to get into a telephone booth and turn into Mark Twain so that I can write a comedic essay about it. Let me, let me send a telegram to Alexander Graham Bell so he can hurry up and invent the telephone booth. Do, 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 do. <laughs> All right, moving on now to Silent Enemy. Tired of being in deep space without being able to reach Earth quickly, Hoshi does what humans do best. She drops an ugly cell phone tower in the middle of otherwise unspoiled nature. <laughs> Actually, as the regular victim of irritating Skype delays, I completely understand and support the installation of these new s- subspace relays. Unfortunately, some jerk aliens in a glowy green ship do not share my feelings and destroy the thing. They also lurk around and refuse to answer the phone. Well, that I completely understand. Frustrated at being caught with his pants down, which has been sort of a theme with this show so far, Archer makes an actual sensible decision and orders the ship back to Jupiter Station so they can have some actual guns installed, which would not have been an issue if he hadn't just decided to arbitrarily stay out here after their first mission. But we covered that once already. Tripp and Malcolm, in a serious effort to provide to prove that they're different guys, decide that they can build working guns in the field every bit as good as those jerks on Jupiter Station. And between attacks by the titular silent enemy and Hoshi's frankly adorable mission to figure out a good birthday surprise for Malcolm, they actually manage to build those guns. The day is saved, and Hoshi only has to violate ethics a tiny bit to discover Malcolm's closely guarded secret, that he likes pineapple. This actually is not nearly as dumb as it sounds. It's true. No, this is uh, also surprisingly good. I would say this one was more good than bad. Like, the other one yeah. was about 50-50. This one was like 70-30, uh, maybe? No, I was thinking about it. I might like this more than I thought I did a minute ago. Yeah, there's there's like one aspect of it I don't care for, but other than that, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still not great. Still not like when we make our list of, if we do make a list of like the best all over Star Trek episodes ever, it probably won't make the list, but, you know, I mean, not bad. will Eddie Enterprise make the list? It's Stay hard to say. We haven't tuned seen to it. find out. I guess I probably not. But I would love no. to. You know, we'll see. We've already had Jeffrey Combs as an as an Andorian, and that's already completely forgettable. So hopefully yep. they they. I know I know he comes back. So hopefully that gets better. But mm-hmm. so far, something with some real promise showed up, and just completely. Bleh. Nope. No, thank you. Yeah. But no, this, this is pretty good. Like, yeah. I love a good mysterious alien where we don't really know what their deal is and we never find out. Oh, man, these aliens were so... This is my good thing. These aliens are fucking awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And not Romulans, like I suspected, because they had green ships. We never properly get Romulans on the show. As I understand it, they will infer Romulans or imply or assume. I don't want one of those. They, mm-hmm. they will say, like, they will mention them, but we don't actually get, like, warbirds with, you know, proper Romulans. Sure. No, you can under- you can understand my uh, my thinking in that though. Like as soon as these mm-hmm. ships show up with their fucking green ass lights, and that oh, is yeah. that is a very specific Romulan green. Yeah, no, it is. And I'm You're just right. like, oh, Romulans, fucking okay, I guess. I'm but, surprised you know. they showed up, but whatever. But then we see these things, and fuck, are they cool? It's like they took the Mars Attacks aliens and mm-hmm. sort of stretched them tall and then took away most of their face. Yeah, yeah, they got like weird like goo Metroid brains going on. It's I fucking awesome. It. I this is I want more of this. I this is what I've been talking about from the beginning is like stop with the bumpy headed humans. Fucking yeah. aliens. And they're, these are like proper cl- I mean, they're still humanoid, but they're mm-hmm. very much like sort of a 50s sci-fi magazine cover yes. like that that look. Yeah. And no, that's because I grew up looking at that kind of stuff. That's what I think of as aliens. Yeah. It's always disappointing when they just show up looking like fucking guys with bumps. Yeah. No, there's a there's a shot where uh, the the power's out on the ship, and uh, there's a couple of guys looking for looking for them. They got like flashlights and phasers. Yeah, your standard alien scene. And there's a shot where it's like a long shot down a hallway, and two aliens walk past, and they've got they they basically move like that like Bigfoot in that famous in the famous <laughs> Bigfoot video. Uh huh. And it's awesome. I know what you meant, but I thought you meant Bigfoot's famous music video. Yeah, Bigfoot's famous music video for his hit single, "Back to the Woods." Right. Do the Bigfoot. <laughs> Back to the Woods was the album. The song was called Do the Bigfoot. That's where you sort of slouch walk and then disappear for 50 years. <laughs> yep. No, they were they were very cool looking and they never properly communicated like what they ended up doing. This is a thing we've seen before, but it's actually something mm-hmm. I liked which is they took recordings of the captain in his own language and chopped it up and replayed it back to to communicate with him and yeah. I like I like that, that. That's neat. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. Let's, this guy's going to kill us. Again, we've seen and that he's, a few and times. And he's remixing the captain. <laughs> I played this stinking ship like a harp from hell. <laughs> Irish Gab, if you're listening, that's for you. The one person who likes Batman Returns. Yep, basically. I don't know. I think Michael Keaton still does. <laughs> I did see an interview with him because, you know, he was out promoting Spider-Man. Mm. And uh, somebody said, does it disappoint you that other people have been Batman now? No, because they're playing Batman and I am Batman. Yep. It's pretty good. But they yeah, good aliens. Bring, they want to bring back Michael Keaton for a Dark Knight movie. I'll be there. Yeah, that'd be all right. Be awesome. They're not gonna. No. You know, it'll be Zack Snyder, but. You know, whatever. But I mean, that guy's got that guy's still got the chops. Yeah, he absolutely does. Um. Anyway, no, I I like these aliens a great deal as well. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, well, my good thing. Yeah. Why don't you tell us that? Okay, so we've gone on and on about how it gets really irritating that these guys are constantly trying to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're the best ones, and we don't need anybody's help, and we're going to do this on our own. I get annoyed with that. But there's an angle on that that I do like, and it happens in this episode, which is uh, Trip and Malcolm. I'm putting our joke aside and legit trying to think of who these guys are. It's so The hard. security guy and the engineer. The two guys, like the, the head of engineering and the head of security, the two guys who it makes the most sense to team up to build a new gun. Like, they're like, they want to prove themselves. It's that same attitude. It's that same, well, yeah, we could get help, but 
We want to do it ourselves. Yeah. And I actually like it. It's them saying, we got teams. We got the best of the best. We got we got the know-how. We got the equipment. We can make these guns. We don't have to go back home. And mm-hmm. I actually really like that. It's it's a cool, like, the whole point of being in the field is to be in the field, to come yeah. up with stuff. And you don't just go running back home every time there's a problem. And, okay, sensibly, yes, you do. But mm-hmm. I get it at these guys' levels. Like, the captain shouldn't be ignoring obvious advice that's dumb but but at these guys levels i love them wanting to prove themselves and wanting to say like no we can absolutely do this captain let us do this and that that was a neat and plus it gave these two an excuse to work together which helps me tell them apart yeah it's it continues to be an issue it it really does no i i love i love uh the basically uh trips like no captain we can we can build these guns Mm-hmm. And Archer's like, no, we're going home. Okay, well, at least let us start and we can, you know, help. Yeah, we'll then get it, it ca- halfway done and then they can finish it. Okay. And, and you, ca- I, you know as soon as you go to these guys exactly what, what the plan yeah. is. No, it's, and then we cut to them talking to their staff. And they're like, okay, so we got two days to build these guns. Yeah, we're going to build them all, right? We know that. Like, yeah, like there's no way in hell we're getting back to Jupiter Station and they have to do anything for us. Fuck yeah. that. The thing is, on the one, again... On a sensible, I'm the leader, like if I'm in charge, no, let the professionals do it, guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're good, but these guys are better, and there's a whole team of them, and they got a lot more resources. But but I totally get these guys wanting to do it. Like, it's not the most sensible thing, but it's I get their pride here. That's okay. Uh, Tripp and uh, Malcolm are not the most sensible people. No, they're not, and that's okay. It's in character for them. I mm-hmm. just don't like it when the leadership does that. And actually, the, the other side of that coin is my bad thing. Mm. There's a point, okay, he's he's stuck, he's trapped fighting these guys at certain points, but at other points, he could run away. He even says we could run away. Mm. He doesn't. He wants to fight them. And like, okay, I get it. They hit you first, you gotta hit them back, but you know what? Don't endanger your crew for that. Also, there's a point where they're like, we could call the Vulcans for help, and he has to consider it. Yeah. Like, he ends up doing it. He ends up like, and they end up being out of range, but for a while he says eh, let's not do that like mm. man you gotta stop with this pride bullshit all if the you're time in trouble, with this. yeah if you're in trouble just, just call for help it's okay yeah ah just irritates me no but every fucking time it's I, it's, a, it's a lot less in this episode than it typically has been and it really I, only happens near the end where it's like you guys could probably run away nah, i don't think we'll be doing mm. that and I mean, I get it. Like these Vulcans, I wouldn't want to go to them for help either. They make me you feel like an asshole. So what? But like you know, you're, you've also got people who are going to die. Yeah. If nothing else, think about your dog, man. Yeah. You know what? Fucking, you don't want your dog to die in space? That's terrible. Fucking. Although he would be the first dog to die in space, so I guess that's something. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, the that's only... not true. A ton of dogs have died in space. What am I thinking? Yeah, but his dog. I yeah. mean, his his dog is destined to die when Scotty performs a failed transporter experiment on it. I did some math on that. I don't think that works out. No, it's not the same dog. That's an old dog. Presumably, uh, presumably Archer just likes beagles and it's another beagle. Maybe mm. it's one of Porthos's like, uh, descendants. Yeah, Porthos the third. Yeah. But, uh, what happened to us, Porthos? <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's really my only issue with it, though, is there is a certain point where they could run away. And, okay, yeah, we took issue with Picard, like, surrendering it in the pilot. Yeah. But that's different. These guys have been out here for 12 episodes now, and 
once they're going to be in over their heads and it wouldn't be terrible to say we're in over our heads. Let's go back and double back and get some better equipment so this doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. That would be okay. Yeah. But they don't do that. No. He's got to he's got to have the biggest dick Mm -hmm. in all of space. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. No, I continue to not really like Archer at all. I mean, although we had a fair amount of scenes with him, like, off-duty, I still like Archer the guy. I made this distinction last week. It's Captain Archer I don't like. And he's palling around with Trip. Yeah, I actually, like, as much as we goof on Trip, the, the friendship between them, it's not as strong as, say, Tuvok Janeway or Dax Sisko, but it's something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something there, and I, I do like it, and I hope it develops. And off-duty, he's he's kind of a likable guy. It's just he's a shitty leader. Yeah. It's it's not Archer the guy, and it's not Bacula the actor. It's the way they write the captain and his leadership decisions. It's like this guy might be okay on the show if he weren't the captain. Yeah. If someone else were captain. And we were talking about this, too. Maybe he should have brought a diplomat. Yeah. Like, somebody to... Because he's he's real bad at... Like, there's no such thing as first contact procedures yet because they're inventing them. Mm -hmm. But he sucks at it. And Hoshi's there to tell them how to talk to people, but maybe they need someone to figure out what to say. It's like every time they meet new people, it's the same thing. Okay, first I'm going to introduce uh, Earth and how great I am. And w and pause while you applaud. And then and when, when you don't applaud, look irritated. Yeah, and then I'm going to yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't realize how great we are. And then half the time you're going to shoot at us because you don't like what you hear. The mm -hmm. other half, you'll ignore us or whatever. But or just be rude, like that awesome fucking uh, yeah. uh, space captain. Yeah. Would you call him Captain Fuck? Captain Fucker. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now, I just, it, it, it's in this one again, where he's just like, hey, guys, we're humans. Uh, humans. Uh, just leave them alone. They don't care. No. No one cares about humans. <laughs> Nobody cares, Moby. Nobody. No one. Um, I like the whole subspace relay thing. I like, like, yeah, setting up like, uh, like, uh, uh, well, they've never been this deep into space before, so they didn't need it. But yeah. now it's like, there's a huge time delay. They, they really need something to help out. I like that. And I like, they made the things look a little like nomad, which is, I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, that was good. Like that's sort of the evolutionary step. Cause nomad was, I don't know, 50 years ago. And you know, these things are a little more advanced than that. It was mm -hmm. neat. I like that. Yeah. As long as it doesn't wipe Hoshi's memories. Yeah. Ah, it's fine. You can get your memories back in an afternoon. We've learned that. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, the whole Hoshi trying to find out what Malcolm likes to eat is adorable. It is. There, there's one part I don't like, which is the captain basically assigns her to it because she's the girl, it seems uh -huh. like. It's either like, she's uh, the girl or she's the first person he saw. Yeah. Well, I don't have time for this. Uh, you do it. Yeah. Like, maybe if Travis had done it, that would have been a little better. But that, that said, Hoshi did a good job with it. Mm -hmm. Like she's adorable trying to trying to tease the information out of people and like like talking to Malcolm's very British parents who are super disappointed in him and don't offer it. Like, we don't know. He never told us anything. Yeah. Fuck him. Oh, Malcolm never really liked food of any type that I could tell. He never asked for anything specific and he never complained about anything we gave him. So that's just very British to me. Whose favorite food is miscellaneous? Like... <laughs> And, and talking to, like, his sister who didn't know anything about, like, and again, hanging a lantern on the fact that you haven't defined the character is a little cheap. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is adorable that everyone wants to do something nice for him and, and 
they have to do some digging to figure that out. That's that's cute. I also like Hoshi's just like breaks down and just goes and has lunch with him and try to try to 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 get it out of him. Oh, that's I, a that's a that's that turns awkward, but <clears throat> I still like it. I, he starts thinking that she's hitting on him. Yeah, well, she wants to make him dinner is what, yeah. how she sells it to him. And he's like, eh, you don't have to do that. No, I want to. I want to make dinner for you. What do you like? Mm. Uh, oh, boy. Look, this oh, is inappropriate. Dear. Well, this is high. Uh, goodbye, Hoshi. Okay. No. Regular. Damn it. Son of a bitch. Not into you. <laughs> she just calls some rando that used to know him just like, do you know what the fuck he eats? The guy's yeah, like, he's- well, he went to this restaurant a lot, Wait, He was just into the waitress. Yeah. <laughs> I was a kid. It reminded me of, it wasn't quite as good as this, but it reminded me of self-stealing Stembolt. The, oh, the whole yeah. Moj Enterprises, like, uh, kind of whimsical, not a lot of stakes. It kind of balanced out with some levity, the more serious mm-hmm. stuff happening. Yeah. I like that. And uh, uh, I, what she ends up finding it by going to Dr. Phlox, who's like, uh, uh, I can tell you he's allergic to a lot of stuff. And I actually like the, the puzzle solvery of this. Yeah. Because he's like, he's allergic to a lot of stuff, but he goes out of his way to take a suppressant so that he can still eat this thing. He must really like this thing to suffer through getting shots to be able to eat it. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a nice, like, solving the puzzle kind of thing. Yeah. That's some legitimate detective work. Yeah. And, and it's legitimate uh, detective work for something stupid. Yeah. Because he likes pineapple. Uh-huh. And, you know, like... He once again, like like in the grand tradition, I guess he started the tradition of Star Trek doctors just showing off people's private medical records. Mm-hmm. Like he says, I can't show them to you, uh, but I'm going to show them to you anyway. <clears throat> That's basically how the scene goes. Yep. Still cute, though. And I like that he wants to help. And I still he's still my favorite guy. He's the best part of this show. I, Do- Dr. Phlox is delightful every time he's on screen. He's the most Star Trek to me. Yeah. Because everyone else is like. Fuck you, we're humans and we're great. And he's like, no, just look at other stuff. There's cool stuff to look at. Let's just look at the stuff. I already looked at your cool stuff. Let's look at other cool stuff. Yeah. Like when a different ship showed up, he wanted to go visit that. Yeah. And every time something's happening out the window, he wraps up what he's doing and runs over to the window to look. It's cool. I like this guy. And Come on, Doc. <laughs> it was weird. He sh- the, the actor showed up uh, in Twin Peaks this past week oh, as, yeah, that as was a doctor. <laughs> it was bizarre. I, I like I heard the voice like that can't be I'm just thinking that because we're watching Enterprise right now. There's no way and I looked it up. Huh, I'll be damned. He's got that very distinct voice. He sure does. I like him. I'm here to help you, Dougie. Yep. No, Spoiler alert. He didn't help Dougie. Uh, well, no one's going to help. No Dougie. one helps Dougie. No. Um, no, it's uh, it, it, it was like I like the guy and mm-hmm. actually. Based on the title next week, I believe we have an episode that focuses on him, and I hope they don't ruin him, because so far, I really dig him. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, what else? Hmm. Not a lot of notes here. It's mostly just about being excited about these aliens. Yeah. No, they were good aliens. 13 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Et cetera. Heckin' good. Yeah. <laughs> but, a, but a star where the E goes for heckin'. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously. No, I mean, my notes are all pretty, you know, the same as well. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the good episode. I enjoyed it, but uh, sure. not much, you know. Oh, uh, uh, Trip mentioned that he liked catfish again. Yeah. Because he's got one. He's, he likes one food. One thing. Yep. And he's got an old truck he likes to work on. He probably <laughs> does. Probably literally does have an old truck he likes to work on. Well, Captain, I had to leave my old truck behind. 
<laughs> I couldn't bring it on the ship to work on. Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. There's, um, so his long distance girlfriend breaks up with him. Trips does. Yeah. And the captain's like, well, now we get to go back to earth. You can go see her in person. Why? Why would he want that? Ugh. They broke up. The yeah, worst no. thing has already happened. You don't go back to her after that. Yeah. And say, hey, maybe we can work this out. But now I'm going back to space. <clears throat> that that would be the absolute worst thing for both of them. Yeah, no. I don't know about you, but once I da- stop dating someone, I never want to see them again. <laughs> no, I usually I usually maintain decent relationships. But, but if you've just broken up because of distance, mm-hmm. you don't come back on a two-day furlough to make up and then leave again. That's like the worst thing. Hey, you said I'm never around, so I showed up. But in a minute, I'm not going to be around again for like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. That just, uh... Yeah, thanks a lot, Trip or Tucker, whichever one you are. Tri- I'm both. Travis, ah, damn it, he is both. <laughs> I was uh, both the whole time. Oh man, I'll power find was, out who you really are, Trip. Oh, power was trip. in you all along. <laughs> all right, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you got an alternate title? <laughs> Alien Jellyman and a stolen Romulan hot rod. <laughs> I just went for Quest for Pineapples. Yep. Uh, and my quote. Yes. Uh, what is my quote? Oh, okay. So, yeah, at the beginning, uh, they're they're trying to communicate with these guys. These guys are having none of it. And mm. um, I yell the same shit at the TV every week. Well, maybe they're just sentient shades of the color blue. Maybe they can't perceive your radio. And then the crew start throwing out reasons. Maybe yeah. they're not answering for this or this. And I, I really liked it. It was a little scene with that. Why fly right up to us just to give us the silent treatment? Maybe they got our signal, but it didn't make any sense to them. Our translator is far from perfect. I wouldn't take offense. Not every species has motives that can be understood in human terms. Maybe they checked us out and decided we weren't very interesting. Us? Not interesting. That 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 amused me. Mm-hmm. I like when I criticize the show and then the show realizes that criticism is is valid and also mentions it. Yeah, it looks like they're paying attention. Yeah, I mean, not to, to us, fix it. like no. in the future, but... Uh, no. You mean in the future? Oh, man, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I almost thought we should bring that back, like in the past future, but <laughs> couldn't quite make it work. All right, well, that's all for this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, as I say, it looks like one of the episodes focuses on, on our favorite character so far, so that's something. Yep. If he hangs out with Porthos, perfect. Oh, my God. Love that dog so much. Yep. Um... So, yeah, uh, website as usual, postatomichorror.com. I uh, want to write to us, postatomichorror at Gmail. Um, uh, iTunes something something. Yeah, write it, do it. Give us a review on iTunes. Yeah, like, subscribe, and comment, guys. <laughs> hey, oh, guys. And, t- and, and t-shirts are a thing. Um, oh, yes, we have t-shirts again. Go to go to postatomichorror.com. There's, there's links right there that will take you to buy shirts. Please mm. do that. I, I, I have yet to hear from the shirt guy that we've sold any, and... It's like, well, you guys asked for shirts, so they're shirts. Please buy shirts. Yes. So, so do that. It, it takes a bit to get this set up. I, I hope, uh, I hope it's something that you want. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's all for this time. All right, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this. Mm-hmm.